you're listening to episode 36 of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we wanted to have an episode where we will talk about the new uh, release of the um, MDCG guidance related to the PRRC. So we'll know more about that in a few minutes. And for that, I have with me a guest, which is Eric Volbrecht, who is a lawyer at the firm Axon Lawyer. So Eric, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I'm on here. Nice for uh, having me again. I'm uh, broadcasting live from my, uh, as you can see, quite messy uh, home office. I'm always uh, in the project of cleaning it. As I said, so real life, real people. So <laughs> we have uh, real experts that are really helping us. So thank you for, for being here and thank you for helping us uh, on, this, uh, on this episode. So as I said, so we will talk now about the new release of the guidance related to the PRRC. So, uh, Eric, let's help the audience to understand first what is a PRRC, and then we can go uh, through more questions about the new guidance and what exactly has changed or maybe clarified. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's start with uh, PRC. It's, 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 uh, it's the person responsible for regulatory compliance, which immediately makes it a difficult term because it's not a defined term in the regulation. So unlike, let's say, other, uh, other persons or actors uh, that the regulation uh, addresses, the PRC is not defined in the section with definitions. So that means that there is no, uh, just like you would have with manufacturer or with, uh, with economic operators like distributor and, and authorized representative, there's no definition in the MDR of what the PRC uh, uh, has to be. So that's something, yeah, you can just keep looking for. Um, so what the regulation does, it defines the person responsible for regulatory compliance in a functional way by uh, defining the responsibilities, if you will. So they, they ha it has a f not maybe the definition on it, but it has a full article or full paragraph talking specifically about uh, what it is. Correct. Yeah, and it is, uh, and, and, and that's and that's what they do in the guidance that they explain a bit more uh, how this how this whole article uh, article works. It's interesting to see that it's finally uh, one of the guidances that uh, has finally been issued as a result, I think, of the MDCG meeting of 22 uh, June. But weirdly enough, it's not the guidance that I would have expected to be issued uh, from, uh, from that meeting. I, I was expecting the software guidance. And now they come up with the, uh, with the PRC and the implant card uh, guidance. Yeah, true. We, I think we need to have also another episode of talking about the implant card. And uh, yeah, for the PRC, um, yeah, for me also, when I saw that, I said the article was... I mean, the, 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 the text on the, on the, on the regulation uh, was um, explaining the, the responsibilities and um, what exactly is a PRC. 
but here we have, I think, more clarity or maybe there was maybe a lot of questions and they are trying to be answered with this guidance. Is it, is yeah. it like that? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that you could say that. And I think for me, I've been advising uh, clients in their economic operator uh, set up quite a lot and, and quality system uh, aspects as well, quite a lot on what the PRC should look like and how it should be uh, operationalized in the organization. So it did not, the, the notice, the, the guidance didn't contain very much new for me, except there were just some tiny interesting things that I found uh, quite new. Okay. Uh, and that is, uh, that was mainly related to the, uh, to the PRC for the authorized representative. But we'll, we'll get to that later because uh, if we start at the basics, so the PRC is, is person responsible for regulatory compliance. So you've got so, a bunch of terms, you've got person. Yeah. Responsible. Okay. And you've got regulatory compliance. So, now, person, that's that's easy enough. It means you need somebody in your in your organization that is defined as attributed with uh, this uh, uh, responsibility. But it's, a, it's yeah. a name. We have to to have a name. We have to designate this person to say uh, clearly that this person uh, exists. And here is the name of the person that will take this responsibility. Yes, and it can even be more than one person because the regulation says uh, it can be more persons. Okay. So if, if, more, if a number of persons are jointly responsible, then uh, you need to uh, stipulate in writing how that relates to each other. That's okay. sort of paraphrasing. And that, that is also interesting because the, uh, because the, commission, the, the uh, regulation says jointly responsible. So that would indicate to me that what you can do is if you spread out the role of a PRC over multiple people, then they will still be jointly responsible. Okay. So, but, but are we talking now about uh, multiple people that have exactly the same responsibility or multiple people that are um, getting one piece of the job and the other another piece of the job? Well, that's, I think that's the situation that the regulation is looking at, where you say I have four people and together they make up the whole package of okay. the PRC. So that means that they are jointly responsible. Okay. Fine. But, um, uh, and that's, that's, I think, clear enough. And if you do that, then you need to define in your quality system, in writing, no less, uh, <laughs> how, these, how, how these functions relate to each other and how they basically make up the whole of the, uh, the, the PRC uh, mandate. So I can, ima I can imagine something on, on an org chart saying PRC1, PRC2 or 3, or PRC post-marketing surveillance, PRC for this, this role, etc., etc. Yeah, for example, and, and, but what you could also do is, uh, and that's, that's not a way to do it. I've also seen companies that say, okay, I just take one person which I, uh, whom I uh, nominate uh, uh, or appoint uh, PRC, and then I'm going to uh, uh, give that person resources. So I'm going to give that person, uh, person one, two, three, and four, okay. so uh, they can delegate their responsibilities. And then you're not actually in a situation, I think that that article 15.4 refers to, still it would be 
stupid not to uh, codify that in your quality system, I think, but that's, that's, that's another way to do it. And then I think where you get a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the interesting uh, questions, or at least that's, that's where the, uh, the questions when it started for me came from, were the questions. Um, so what do we do if we are a big international organization, uh, a big international devices manufacturer, but we have, we are not one manufacturer, but we are four manufacturers. So let's say, for example, I don't know, I'm a really big multinational uh, company and I acquire uh, a bunch of companies every year. So that means that I'll, I'll have a whole bunch of manufacturers in my organization. Does it mean that I need to have one PRC or does each manufacturer have to have a PRC? But that has been clarified because the, the, note, the, the guidance says every manufacturer needs one PRRC. And that's an interesting one because it means that uh, if you are a, a bigger organization, it means that none of your manufacturers in your uh, company can be without a PRC. So you have to make sure that even if you, let's say I'm, I'm a big company and I acquire a small company and I leave that company as a sort of semi-standalone in my organization uh, for some time, then I still need to make sure that that company has a PRC. So uh, can we say, for example, a person works in, a, in one of the manufacturing plants and takes care of the, another manufacturing plant as a PRC officially, even if he's not working specifically for this manufacturing plant? Is it something possible? Um, yes, although, of course, uh, um, uh, then, then you go into the intention behind what a PRC does. And that is, I think, even murkier water, because if you look at the guidance, it says that you need uh, a close linkage of permanent and continuous nature between okay. the PRC and the manufacturing activities. So you can do that if you prove you are permanently in both places or something like that? Well, I, yes, uh, I think there, there, what you could, you should be able to demonstrate, I think that at least the uh, PRRC can be at the manufacturing uh, facilities relatively quickly. Because just like with the uh, pharma QP, uh, that's, that's, uh, we, uh, that, that is, uh, a lot of people are saying that this role has been sort of modeled based on that, which I think is partly true and partly not true. So the qualified person in the pharma organization, QP, yeah. Yeah, and, and a QP also does not need to uh, be physically located in the place where the manufacturing activities take place, but you do need to show that, the, uh, that they can be there relatively quickly. Okay. So uh, in, t in terms of, uh, of, of this, so uh, as we said, so we have the person, the responsible and the regulatory compliance. So in terms of regulatory compliance, we are talking, I think, about some qualification, I think, for people to really know um, something about that. We cannot just say this person is a, a PRC just because we said that. I think there is some kind of um, background before you can appoint somebody as a PRC. That's right. Yeah, they, 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 need, uh, they need qualifications. Those are also set out in the regulation. 
And I think um, one, of the, one of the surprises, you could say, uh, that, the, uh, that the guidance brought for me is how you demonstrate that uh, your PRC actually has these qualifications. Okay. Because, um, because what the guidance says is that you need to, uh, you need to demonstrate equivalence with EU qualifications. If you are outside of EU, if you, if you made your studies outside of EU. Exactly. Or if you are PRC located outside of the EU, which okay. is a lot in the case of the manufacturer. But if you are, uh, but let's say, for example, you're an American or a Japanese PRC, then you cannot just assume that the fact that you did, uh, that you have a diploma in medicine, eh, as is required under, uh, under Article 15.1a, uh, so I have a diploma in medicine and I have four years of experience in regulatory affairs, then still you need to um, you need a recognition by an EU member state, uh, or you need to prove that what you, that your uh, your diploma would be equivalent to a diploma to that effect in a member state. And this is a step I think that a lot of uh, companies have not taken, and it's actually one of the completely underlined parts in the guidance, because the guidance contains some underlined parts. And this is a whole underlined provision. So from that, I deduct that the uh, European Commission thinks that that is really, really important. But, but for me, for me uh, this is one point that I, I don't know, maybe I'm too pessimistic, but I'm sure that um, it will not, I mean, you cannot meet this requirement for every country, for every people, for, for everything. It's not something really feasible. Maybe for some countries that are uh, with the same kind of system, education system as, as in Europe, maybe, but for some other countries that are located in, uh, in, in some regions that are without a lot of education, I don't think it's really possible. What do you think? Well, I think that if you come from a country, uh, from a from a region with not so much education, then it might be doubtful uh, that that you fulfill the qualifications because these are pretty brainy studies. Uh, and um, yeah, it's 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 a very document-based requirement, right? I mean, yeah. it's a diploma or a certificate or other evidence of formal. Uh, qualification which is awarded upon completion of a university degree or a study recognized as equivalent by the member state concerned. So can we say that uh, some companies can be already disqualified from the role of medical device manufacturer as they will not have the right person in place to be the PRC? Uh, well, they, they would not immediately be uh, disqualified, but they would need to uh, start a job hunt for somebody that does have the qualification. So either what they need to do is they, they need to double check, I think, on the basis of, uh, of this, this guidance that the person that they are intending to appoint not only has the qualifications, but that these are also qualifications that are uh, recognized by an EU member states as, a, as equivalent. So they need to do the additional step of, uh, of uh, checking uh, member state equivalents. 
So we said, I think if I remember well on reading the, this article, it says you should have a diploma or some experience. So it's also some kind of uh, thing that people can use and say, I have enough experience, I don't need a diploma. Is it true? Uh, well, uh, yes, it says either of the following qualifications. So you can also, uh, you can also have four years of professional experience in regulatory affairs. So that's, that's, that's also sufficient. So it's uh, it's just showing your CV then, showing that you have worked for four years in, in this kind of field, and I think for them it will be sufficient. Uh, yeah, it should be sufficient, but I think, it, uh, I mean, if I were a notified body checking your quality system, I'd probably, uh, just, to, uh, just to see how well people document this, I would not only ask for the CV, but I also would like to see, okay, how do you support your CV? Exactly. Right? How, how did you, uh, how can you demonstrate that you have actually done this for, uh, for four years? Because I suppose that a lot of people can just mention about CV. I work for the quality department and uh, I have done some documentation, but it's not really the, what we are, we are mentioning as experience for, for the role. Well, exactly, because it says that it should be uh, in regulatory affairs or in quality management systems relating to medical devices. And, and that's what the guidance clarifies, it should be related to EU requirements in the field. Okay. So if you have worked only for FDA or only for a Japanese regulation or China regulation, uh, you have some miss, if I can say, on your qualification then. Yeah, so let's say, for example, you've been doing a China FDA for three years and then, uh, and then EU for another year, then you would not meet these qualifications. Okay, great. So um, in terms of qualification, it's fine. Uh, now, as soon as you are qualified for that, so what is your responsibility exactly? What, what should you take care of? Well, that's, that's an interesting question because it's basically the same question with the authorized representative. Like, okay. congratulations, your authorized representative. What are your responsibilities? And like with the authorized representative, the PRC uh, article says uh, that there are certain responsibilities that the uh, PRC has at least. Okay. So it's like with the authorized representative, you need a mandate and there must, certain things must be in there. Unlike the authorized representative, uh, there is no negative list of things that are not supposed to be in there. So you could also be, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 a coffee distributor uh, at, the, uh, at the CEO's office, that's possible too. That is perfectly combinable with PRC, uh, it seems. Okay. But um, yeah, so there, there, are, there are a number of responsibilities that, uh, that need to be ensured. So you need to, uh, so you have a responsibility relating to, uh, to, uh, to uh, batch release, checking that uh, conformity is checked before release, um, technical, uh, checking that the technical documentation uh, and the EU declaration uh, of conformity are drawn up and kept up to date. Which is interesting because that's also, uh, again, one of these uh, things that overlaps with other economic operators, right? Because also the importer and also the distributor needs to check. Exactly. So as I, I, think, I think there is a lot of cameras that are on, on this kind of document from every people. So it's like a, a not, a, not just one-time review, but a four, five, six-time reviews by, by a lot of operators. And one of them is the PRC and, uh, and uh, yeah. So 
it's uh, it's also something I think the the notified body has to look at. So notified body, economic operators, peers in the company. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, a lot of eyes on it. Yep. And then there's the uh, then there's the obligation uh, in relation to post-market surveillance, which I think is an interesting one because it's responsibility to uh, uh, to uh, ensure that the post-market market surveillance obligations are complied with in accordance with Article 1010. So that basically ties back into the obligation to have the whole Article 83 uh, PMS system. And that's, uh, uh, that's also quite a lot because that, um, that is actually, uh, that's a PMS system which con contains the PMS plan and, uh, and the whole, uh, the whole uh, management of all the PMS data that comes in. Where does it go? And that is, I think, uh, where your PRC is going to uh, be really, really, uh, uh, I would say, crucial and can really make a difference for the company because the PRC has a crucial role in making sure that these increased obligations under uh, MDR PMS are actually met. And this is, this is new for a lot of companies because under the MDR, PMS is really, it's a dynamic thing that is very much a, a life cycle obligation. You could say, well, under the MDD, we had that already as well, and you needed to do continuous PMS. And if you were lucky, you would actually do something with the data. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> to, to paraphrase it a bit. But the MDR is, is very much more strict in the sense that it says you need to continuously look at the incoming data and you need to check all the time whether these data give rise to uh, any, for example, updates of the risk-benefit determination, whether the clinical evaluation needs to be determined, all that. And that is a process that happens on a continuous basis. So it's not something you can do like once a year. Yeah, so I suppose there will be also a lot of changes in the procedures in terms of frequency, in terms of uh, who should sign, in terms of, uh, I mean, I think a full kind of workflow process for review of documents, signature, etc. will be changed just because of this, the addition of this PRRC role, because it has to review everything and to approve everything uh, before it's released. So. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I agree there. And I think it also shows how important this PRC can be in the organization because uh, basically they're, they're sort of boss of data, you could say, boss of post-market data. And if I were a notified body and I would do my first quality system audit under the MDR, this is one of the places where I would go look. Okay. Because, because one of the innovations, I would say, of the, uh, of the MDR is that, that you need to have very solid processes that show that the manufacturer is like on top of all the post-market data that come in, both under po general post-market surveillance and also post-market clinical follow-up, because that's, that's part of it. So the PRC... Uh, yeah, as a notified body, I would look like, is the PRRC really the spider in the web, if you will, that the MDR intensive to be? And that's, that's not in the guidance, but I think this, this quite clearly follows from uh, the way the MDR is uh, set up. So this is really where uh, I think it was the, uh, yeah, there's this nice acronym that the, the MDR means uh, more data, really. And this is really the PRRC is like the spider in the web of this more data, yeah. 
So I think it's a good advice maybe for some notified bodies that are listening to that <laughs> to say, here is, the, here is the where you have to look for <laughs> if you want you need to check the, uh, the compliance of, of this company. Well, we were not ready with the uh, functions yet eh? because they also uh, they are also responsible for making sure that the uh, reporting obligations are fulfilled. So okay. these are uh, these are the the, the vigilance uh, reporting, uh, but also other reporting because of all the reporting obligations in the uh, in, in in the larger PMS chapter. So that's not only vigilance, but it's also uh, trend reporting, uh, incidents. Uh, corrective action reporting, uh, uh, all that stuff. So again, this also this also shows how important this PRC is because if you uh, miss vigilance that vigilance reporting deadlines or incident reporting deadlines, then the PRC is uh, is the person to blame. Uh, it seems like, or at least they have, they need to have a role to make sure that the deadlines are met. And so you, again, need to have, you need to have then some power, some some power to to execute his job. Well, yeah, and also he needs to be or she needs to be able to monitor if the people that do the root cause analysis and so on are are being quick enough. Because uh, the, another innovation of the MDR is that it cuts the longest reporting uh, deadline in half, and I've seen clients struggle with the 30 days already so they are going to have a really big uh, big difficult uh, time under the uh, under 15 days so we come back then to the to the structure so how then the person can be uh, sure to execute correctly her job or his job uh, inside the company so is there kind of a, a good um, structure that uh, or something that is obliged to put in place to have this uh, job correctly done. Well, there's uh, there is there is again uh, a negative requirement in the uh, in the MDR, and that says that the uh, that the position that the uh, uh, that the PRC shall suffer no disadvantage uh, within the manufacturer's organization in relation to the proper fulfillment of their duties regardless of whether they are em employees or not. So that means that you cannot, like they did in the X-Files, remember, where they put Mulder and Scully in a basement, yeah. <laughs> everything, and uh, told them to be the department of shut up. Well, that's, that's definitely not something that you can do with your, <laughs> with your PRC. So the PRC needs to be plugged into the organization in a way that you can uh, that, that you can demonstrate that they can effectively fulfill their responsibilities and I think this is where you get uh, a quality system uh, link because the quality system would say if you have a role in the quality system then the management is responsible for making sure that this uh, person attributed with that role has the uh, uh, has the responsibilities and the means to fulfill this, and what I could what I what I've uh, sort of established for myself is that if you look at the way um, this this could work, is that the PRC's position in the organization could look a lot like the data protection officer under the General Data Protection Regulation. Mm -hmm. Because that's a similar kind of function uh, attributed by European law in an organization to infuse quality thinking, or you could also say to enforce it on management. 
and uh, if you and and I think companies can yeah they can get a lot of inspiration uh, from how the uh, uh, how the data protection officers implemented in the company uh, to see how you do, do that with the PRC because if the PRC is responsible for certain certain things then it means that there has to be an auditable trail that the uh, uh, that the person has been doing stuff in that light so that means that you need to have uh, at least software or processes that make sure that any communication and actions and so on by the prc are logged in a way that they can be audited afterwards right you can you cannot use your gmail address for it and then mis delete, mistakenly delete it and then say oh well sorry the whole the whole audit trail is gone no, it's clear. No, it's really clear. Uh, so um, I think it's really, um, yeah, well written on paper, but um, to have that in reality, it can be a challenge for, for some organization or some people that would be on this role as PRC. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's something that, um, that, yeah, as I said, it's good on paper, but I'm, I'm, I'm not confident that it can be easily executed uh, in reality. No, and, and, and it's also, of course, going to upset an organization because, uh, uh, because either you appoint somebody new or you shuffle people around. And of course, how this typically goes in organizations is that somebody is appointed like, okay, you are PRC and you're going to do it in your spare time because you're not getting a raise, you're not getting extra resources, and uh, for sure you're not uh, getting additional uh, time or something for this or so. Yeah, that's, that's probably the way not to do it because what you would want is that if you're notified body comes and audits, that uh, you can actually show that the PRC has been doing meaningful stuff because otherwise as notified body, I would give you a non-conformity on, uh, on, uh, on enabling the PRC to meet the responsibilities. No, it's clear. Um, one thing also that I wanted to ask is about uh, liability. So uh, we have a PRC that is here to control everything. Uh, if something is going wrong, um, is the PRC liable or is it the company or who, who is really responsible for that? Well, that's a good question. That, that depends on several uh, factors because uh, uh, first of all, it, the, the, M, the MDR itself doesn't say anything. Okay. It only says that the that, that the uh, it only says that the PRC shall suffer no disadvantage uh, for fulfilling uh, for for proper fulfillment of their duties. So, as a lawyer, then of course I immediately start to think of evil things like: Can we put an enormous penalty in the contract of uh, the uh, PRC? Like, if you cry wolf. Uh, so we implement the corrective action because you say it's a good idea or because you stop production because uh, you refuse to sign a batch release. This will cost the company uh, 5 million. So, uh, well, that comes out of your salary. Uh, yeah, is that, is that not, uh, not is that, uh, um, would that be contrary to uh, uh, making sure that they don't suffer any disadvantage? I think that probably is. 
Uh, normally, uh, employees of a company are not liable externally if they fulfill their uh, role in within the scope of their employment mandate. So, so that's that's uh, that's that's good. Um, but then you get into a weirder territory because uh, member states uh, are allowed to uh, under the MDR to define what sanctions and penalties they impose on contravention of articles of the MDR. And as I wrote in my blog about the, uh, about the PRC guidance, uh, my member state, the Netherlands, uh, they do a lot for the MDR, I think. Uh, they, they managed to uh, finish the whole trilogue. They are, uh, they are doing a lot in the implementation, but they also are not always super smart, I think, in the way they've implemented the, the regulation because the Dutch implementing legislation, that's actually almost finished. It's, uh, it can be adopted any moment. So then, as far as I know, we will be the first country to have the, in, in a member state in Europe, to have the MDR implementation regulation ready. But what did they put in this uh, implementing legislation? Yes, um, uh, the uh, competent authority can issue a fine, or they can start enforcement, or they can impose a, a penalty payment uh, for uh, compelling somebody to comply. For contravention of, and then they mention a whole bunch of articles, among others, Article 15.3, of the MDR and the IVDR. And Article 15.3, that is the article, that's the, the section of, the, uh, of Article 15 of the PRC article that says, the person responsible for regulatory compliance shall at least be responsible for ensuring that. So, contravention of this. So let's say that the I'm going to go on an unannounced holiday for two months. And that means that uh, I am not, um, I am definitely not available in the organization during those times. But that is a problem of the manufacturer because that's Article 15.1. But on the other hand, I'm not signing any batch uh, releases, for example. And uh, yeah. Um, does that mean that I, as a PRC, am contravening Article 15.3? Or is my manufacturer contravening Article 15.3? We don't know. So it, that, it, when you read that, it looks like the PRC will not have the right to go on holidays at all. He will have to stay there to do all his job and to sign everything. Because reading that, it looks like if he's not here, he cannot sign batteries, so he stop production. It's uh, it's meaning like that. But that shows how important it is to uh, to have a replacement. I mean, I don't know if you read. I think there was last week there was an article of this uh, Spanish uh, medicines manufacturer that lost their GMP uh, certificate because their uh, their uh, their QP was or their GMP officer was uh, on sick leave and they didn't have a replacement well this is exactly the same thing and that also shows I think how much of these procedures you can also borrow from uh, from for example uh, the uh, the uh, uh, the pharmaceutical uh, field, but also from the data protection field. I've also been in a, in a transaction recently where a medical devices company was taken over 
And I found in the data room that the uh, data protection officer was on pregnancy leave. So I asked, okay, so who is the data protection officer then? Uh, yeah, nobody. Okay, guys, this is legal. You know that. No, that can't be. Yeah, well, it is. So that, that also shows that even for a PRC, you need to have a, a, a replacement procedure or uh, even, even in case of temporary uh, replacement, yeah. To go back to liability, so we've got the crazy Dutch that have put a very spectacularly unclear enforcement provision in their law. That, that's, that's for, you could say, a regulatory liability. So can they be fined or enforced against? And then, of course, there's also the question of civil liability. So liability under tort or in case of an outsourced PRC, uh, liability under contract. Right? Because if you have an outsourced PRC, the PRC can also be outsourced uh, for uh, micro and small manufacturers and for authorized representatives. Let's say, for example, I have an outside consultant that shows up uh, drunk every time that they show up as PRC and then they uh, get their records wrong. Well, that, that would typically be uh, a case of... Um, uh, a case of uh, liability in contract, right? But it can also even be that uh, you are in a situation uh, that one of these situations, one of the nevermore situations uh, of the MDR, you have a manufacturer that is deliberately producing uh, medical devices that are different from the certificates, and like happened with PIP. So let's say, for example, uh, I don't know, uh, you have, uh, let's, let's make it really scary and freaky. Okay. You have a heart valve, um, heart valve uh, producer that does not use the porcine tissue that, uh, that has, been, uh, has been checked under, uh, under the uh, separate regulation for animal tissue in medical devices but they are buying their stuff uh, straight from the slaughterhouse in the Muller member state because it's much cheaper, right? That would be like a prima facie uh, PIP uh, situation. And you've got all these patients with infections in their hearts and uh, quite terrible, dying by the dozens. So, and then it turns out that the, uh, that the PRC has been forging batch release records all the time. Now, that could be a situation where you could say, okay, well, maybe this PRC is also liable to the damaged patients because of tort, because they were, uh, uh, because they were deliberately uh, misrepresenting uh, records in order to commit fraud in the company. So that might actually, uh, and, and, and if they were also not told to do that by management, well, let's say because they had their own business in, in, in this, in buying these, uh, these, this porcine material, yeah, then you would really be looking at uh, external tort liability as well. So I can imagine, yeah, it's, uh, it's really the circumstances that uh, will tell you really who is really uh, responsible, liable. And if, 
I would say if the PRC is doing his job right and really uh, do what what uh, what is on his responsibility, but something happened at the end, it's really uh, the investigation that will show if he has any responsibility on that. But yeah. if yeah, they are doing that on purpose, then we have yeah, it's normal the normal law for any person. So then they can be liable and and uh, be um yeah be going to jail. So for consultants, one question I have is. It says that those people should be uh, permanently and continuously available. Yeah. So how should I, how can I do that? I mean, it's consultants that are not working specifically for me. So how can I do that? Well, uh, what you can do is uh, you, what you basically need is uh, a service level that uh, service level in the contract with the consultant that says, I am always available if you need me. Okay. So what you cannot do, for example, is uh, 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 have a contract that says um, every, every last two days of the month, I am available for PRC work for this company. That would, that would, not, be, uh, that would not be allowed. So what you can do is you can, you can, of course, do work in cycles. That is allowed. But you cannot say, I can only respond to things uh, all uh, the, the last two days of the month, for example. That would be, that would be wrong. So it's the same also for consultants. If, if some consultants, are, I mean, if the PRC that was um, appointed for this company going on, is going on holiday, it has also to have a deputy or backup at the yes. company to still continue the business. Yes. So uh, for that, uh, we have that also with the authorized representative, he can also hire consultants, not, oblig not obliged to have somebody on site, and also hire a consultant to be the PRC for his company. But yeah. is there a PRC for the authorized representative and also for the manufacturer outside of EU? So do we have two PRC for the same organization? Uh, yes, uh, because... Um these these are two things I think are also uh, are also interesting from the guidance, and that is that the PRC of the manufacturer and of the authorized representative cannot be the same person. Okay, which I've been saying to companies from the start because it would be weird. Uh, it would be a conflict of interest because you know that the authorized representative under the uh, NDR, even more than under the MDD, has been recruited to, uh, to snoop on the manufacturer for the authorities. Yeah. So if you are going to combine these roles, then you create an immediately, uh, you immediately create a conflict of interest. And then I think that's also an interesting uh, one uh, that the guidance clarifies, which also not everybody was 100% agreeing on, is where should the authorized representative for the PRC be? Because uh, you see with foreign companies that have an authorized representative, they traditionally would like the authorized representative to be a letterbox uh, as much as possible yeah. because they will control it out of the US, out of Japan, out of China, wherever. And they are really not so happy now that PRC for the AR must be located in the EU. Yeah, and, uh, and the other one should be located at the company. So uh, is, this, yeah. is there a control by, done by the notified bodies about, also about that, about both PRC? 
Yeah, because I would say this is quality system requirement. So you have, I mean, they have to check that uh, they ha there is a PRC at the manufacturer and that there is a PRC at the authorized representative. So they have to check both names, both qualification, et cetera, et cetera. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, except, except that with the interesting difference that the PRC of the manufacturer has an open-ended job description with five elements that, uh, that, uh, uh, that, that he must be responsible for at least. Well, because we discussed before, we didn't discuss the, uh, the, the, the PRC responsibilities for the clinical investigation devices, but that's, that's not a responsibility. And then he can have other responsibilities as well, like I jokingly said, uh, be, the, uh, be the person that distributes uh, coffee. coffee. But the, the AR, the authorized representative PRC, does not have any defined responsibilities, which is uh, kind of interesting. Okay. Because then, of course, the big question is, yeah, so what is the uh, authorized representative's PRC supposed to do, right? Do they have a particular role? Because then the only thing you have to go by is, uh, is well, shoot, shoot the authorized representative for the, uh, sorry, the, the PRC for the authorized representative, should he mirror the manufacturer PRC's responsibilities? Well, yeah. I don't because it would be kind of weird if the authorized representative's PRC would be doing batch, uh, batch checking, for example. Exactly. It would, would be kind of strange. Uh, or, uh, or that they... Um, but on the other hand, there could also be overlap because uh, what you can do, and that, that some manufacturers do that, is they outsource uh, vigilance reporting to the authorized representative. And vigilance reporting, as we discussed, is actually one of the responsibilities of the, uh, uh, of the authorized representative. So that means that um, where then, then you get into quite interesting quality system uh, things at authorized representative level, where I think authorized representatives need to be uh, mindful of. Because you cannot just say, well, um, you would need separation, I think, between the, uh, if the authorized representative is doing, let's say, vigilance work, then that happens under the PRC of the manufacturer, and the PRC of the authorized representative should actually stay away from that. There should be a Chinese wall uh, between the authorized uh, representative's PRC and the people in the uh, manufacturer's uh, uh, quality system that are at the authorized representative doing vigilance reporting. So I think there is a, a lot of things that are still, I think I, there is a lot of things that we still continue to discover uh, with this role when it will go live uh, and we'll see maybe some creativity, some things that uh, people are trying to see how we can, uh, how we can trick the system or see how we can uh, put that in place or even put something in place thinking that it's, it's the right thing to do, but at the end it will not. But I think we have still some, some discovery on, the, on that topic. I completely agree with you. I see a lot of companies treated as a bit of a box checking exercise at the moment, but uh, uh, we'll need to see when we've had the first, uh, the first uh, quality system audits. And I, I'm already getting the first complaints 
from clients uh, about notified bodies. Well, there's there's two uh, there's two uh, MDR accredited now that are doing the uh, the first MDR quality system check work. And uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes things uh, happen where you think like, ah, okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's also a way to look at it. So notified bodies are creative as well, uh, I find. Okay, so interpretation is on is on the on the way. Um, so Eric, uh, you had also uh, made this blog post related to PRC, so on your website, so medicaldevicesleguel.com. Uh, so I encourage really people also to go there and to read um, what you what you wrote on that. I think it's um, mirroring a bit of what we discussed today, um, but with also a lot of uh, references and and comments uh, to that. So um, yeah, and uh, you were also I think active in uh, other. Uh, topics on your blog, so I think people can also go and uh, read a bit of your thinking about what's happening now on the updates in terms of the regulation. Okay, Eric, so I think uh, it was a great episode with the PRC, so uh, Eric Volbrecht, a lawyer at the Axon uh, firm, so um, thank you for your help, thank you for all the information you provided. Uh, for the audience, so don't forget uh, to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget also to provide some reviews uh, on the, on the on your preferred platform, so Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, it will be really helping me. So thank you for that. And uh, don't forget also to go to um, the website, so easymedicaldevice.com, to get more information and the, the last blog post that we have uh, that I have released. So thank you for that. So Eric, thank you very much, and I wish you a nice day. Thank you too. Have a nice day, Monir. Bye-bye. Bye.